Hello F1 fans and welcome to F1 on and off the track with Kim Ilman. You can see his photos at ProStarPicks.com, read his latest F1 blog at KimIlman.com or follow him on Instagram at KimIlman. My name is Adrian and in this episode we're talking about the upcoming Great Britain GP. How are you doing today, Kim? Good. I'm relaxing in a magnificent city of Europe, Geneva, on Lake Geneva. And uh, if you love watches and chocolate, this is a place to be. And when will you be heading down to Great Britain for the GP? Wednesday morning, I catch a flight uh, to Luton Airport, and there's a short drive to Milton Keynes, where I'm staying. And everyone's warned me that Milton Keynes is none too flash. It's uh, not got much of a nightlife, but um, it's not too far from the track. And uh, some nice hotels there that uh, are thankfully air-conditioned, because last year, I stayed out near the track at a Premier Inn, and uh, while it was very close, none of the rooms had air conditioning, so it was quite an uncomfortable time, so I'm not making that mistake again this year, although the weather looks a little calmer and uh, milder temperature-wise, with um, 20 to 24 degrees being um, the average temperatures throughout the day. So not many accommodation options around then, is it? A lot of camping. Okay. And uh, average sort of places, lots of farmhouses. If I uh, got in early, I might have got myself a farmhouse. But certainly, it's nothing like um, Hungary, where there's a city nearby, or Singapore, where you're right in the middle. It's uh, it's a little bit different to that. And what's the track itself like? And how far away is it from? I guess a main city. Uh, well, Milton Keynes, I think, is about half an hour, twenty-five minute drive. Track's great, long, lots of curves tricky to get around in so much as there's buses on the outside of the track but uh, they don't run that uh, frequently and oftentimes it can take you 25 minutes to get back from the outer part of the track to the media center after a session and when you've only got two hours or an hour uh, you know, two hours on saturday between sessions and two and a half hours on the friday that gobbles up a lot of your time if you're sitting uh, waiting for a, a bus to come and grab you and it's a fair hike to walk back but um it, it does offer some good photographic opportunities. The crowd is passionate. And, of course, everybody speaks English, so there's always a plus there. Are there any signature shots or backgrounds here that are worth shooting? Yeah, the final turn, you get to shoot the uh, beautiful clubhouse that's on the corner. That's a nice shot. There's maggots and beckets in an unusual situation. We are on the outside of the track. I shot last year from the outside of the track, and we get to walk inside the fence and we stand on a ledge that's probably six feet above the track but there's nothing in front there's no wire there's no fence so effectively you could stand up there and trip and fall um, ass over tit onto the grass below and uh, if you're unlucky enough a car could clean you up so you need to be a little bit careful there but yeah I, I think it's it's a good opportunity for some interesting racing and I know most of the drivers love it so um, we might see an interesting race again for a third race in a row. You did say there was quite an audience for this one. What is the turnout like at this GP? Big, big, few hundred thousand people. They come from everywhere. Um, of course, there'll be huge support this year for Lando Norris and Lewis Hamilton, local drivers. Lewis last year didn't win, uh, but he won the year before and he went and crowd surfed. And I was watching a video last night that made me laugh. It was of... Um, the second and third place getters, and it was Valtteri, and I can't remember who the third, probably Seb, I think, sitting up in the media centre waiting for the press conference to start with an empty chair in the middle because Lewis was out crowd surfing, and I was out there with him too, and I was I was actually on that video, made me laugh. You could see my uh, floppy black hat there. Uh, it was a great opportunity to get really close to him, and um, 
Yeah, look, if he does win again, I think there's an opportunity for him to go out and do that again because it's his home crowd. And, of course, last year he didn't win his home race. Mm. And then the next race, Seb didn't win his home race. It was, an, it was an interesting scenario for both of those particular races. How do you find the media centre here at the Silverstone track? It's um, expansive. It's upstairs. There's a canteen where two years ago you had to pay for all your meals. And it's the only, yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure it was the only track where we had to pay for our meals. But last year they changed that and uh, they fed us, which was always nice. And we, and we appreciate that. But it's a bit of a hike. You have to go upstairs, a long, long corridor downstairs but at least you exit straight out into the paddock as opposed to somewhere like um azerbaijan where you have to be upstairs but you exit into an area that's still another 200 meters away from the paddock but um it's it's comfortable uh, we have our own photographic area and in fact most media centers the photographers sit in a separate section to the reporters okay i'm not sure why they just break it up you know you tend to sit around with uh, all your photographic mates and the journalists sit around with all their mates. And how is the paddock and pit area on this track? It's expansive. It's uh, long. It's wide. Uh, all the uh, teams have their motorhomes there. And, of course, this year Red Bull have their new motorhome, which is made of this lovely wood. And uh, it's interestingly carved. And it's still new, so you have this lovely smell of um, wood from the uh, Austrian forests. It's a huge, huge thing. Both Toro Rosso and Red Bull use that uh, as their main uh, camp. But to all of the teams have beautiful motorhomes, and we get to eat in a few of them, which is nice. Uh, I will be, I think, have some opportunities to shoot Lando Norris one-on-one this race. And with his home race, I think he'll be quite popular. And as I mentioned last time, um, he really has surprised me in terms of his popularity. Mm. I really didn't pay him much attention for the first seven races. I might have done myself a disservice. But, yeah, um, I think we're expecting some reasonable weather, so that should be nice. I've had times there where it's been bitterly cold and not an enjoyable time. It's probably one of the only races where we have had cold weather, I think. But, of course, that's um, part of Britain, isn't it? It's uh, You never know quite what you're going to get last year, 32, 33 degrees, and... The year prior, we had um, rain, I think, for memory and some cooler weather. Talking about Lando, how do these opportunities of, you know, shooting drivers in their, you know, getting ready or, or training, etc., how do these opportunities arise? As you develop more relationships, you can ask more favours. And uh, certainly with someone like Charles, I remember a few races ago, he was um, getting warming up in an area and he pulled some shields, some... Um, some boards across to give him some privacy and I was standing there when he did that and I just said look Charles can I come in and shoot this and he said yeah because he and I uh, have had a couple of chats um, he's used a number of my pictures and he knew that he'd probably get a chance to use whatever pictures I shot on his page uh, and that, that always works well sometimes I go through their trainers sometimes I go through their PR people but um, just by being around being there every race being seen chatting to them and I think I think that um, some of the photographers don't ever chat to these guys. And, and you've got to understand that um, when, when you're situated in the paddock and a driver's coming towards you, you're focused on getting the shot. And then they walk past you and, and you often don't see them again until they once they're in, again are out in the paddock and you, you shoot them coming towards you and then they leave again. So I, I tend to make an effort to uh, contact them either via the internet, 
have a chat with them at the track or uh, their people. It's just a, a factor of time, I think. The longer you're in the sport, the more often they see you and they realise, oh, okay, he's here all the time and I've seen some of his pictures. So, yeah, they tend to do you favours. Well, I was reading through your blog about last year's British GP and last year we also had the World Cup and you got to be in Silverstone during one of the games with England playing. What was it like in that atmosphere? Touching. Uh, I remember coming out one afternoon, might have been the Saturday, in fact it was, I'm pretty sure, and there was a huge screen set up and a lot of the um, team personnel, lots of the media uh, and some of the invited guests were standing around at this bar, a Heineken bar, I think it was, watching this World Cup game. And they were cheering and screaming. And um, it was a really lovely atmosphere to be in because everybody was talking about it. Uh, although I'm not a mad soccer fan or football fan, as they call it, in Europe. But my gosh, it was a lovely experience. And um, that song, It's Coming Home, uh, was played over and over again. And I really got to love that song. I was with my uh, younger son. So... He and I got quite caught up in the atmosphere of World Cup and I think we were in Germany when the final was on, went to a German bar and, um, yeah, nothing quite like it. It certainly wouldn't have been that well celebrated in Australia and, of course, played uh, way um, late in the night. But, no, it was, it was a lovely thing to be involved in. The Poms sure are passionate about their football, although they got reasonably far into the championship. They didn't make it into the semi so uh, or into the final, so uh, they were a tad disappointed. But then again... If you have a look at their history in World Cups, they're used to disappointment. F1 on and off the track is presented by ProStarPicks.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. Head to ProStarPicks.com at the end of this podcast. I also noticed from last year quite a few celebrity photos. Would you say the the British GP has the highest rate of celebrities? Uh, I wouldn't say that, but... Tell me, who did I shoot last year? I can't remember. I believe it was uh, Michael Douglas, was it? Oh, yes. He was also in Monaco, for memory. Okay. Yeah, I saw him walking down the pit uh, in the paddock. Had a colourful, like a Hawaiian shirt on, for memory. Pretty sure it was last year, too. Woody Harrelson and Owen Wilson were there celebrating and promoting their latest release, which was uh, Cars 3. Okay. And it was great to be alongside those guys because I've seen a lot of their movies and quite like them as actors. And uh, they were approachable, too, for a little while back at the garage where they were doing this promotional shoot for Cars 3. And, uh, look, it's always nice when you get in close proximity to these people that you've perhaps seen on screen and obviously never met in life because they are, they're so hard to, to get to. They're well protected, don't often go out looking for um, photos to be taken, but, of course, when they're out there promoting a movie, that's their job, to be seen and to be talking about that particular product. So... Uh, yeah, they're great opportunities, and I would expect there to be more celebrities because it's only a short helicopter flight from London. If anyone's promoting anything, F1's a great way to get a little bit of free mileage. It must be great to shoot these people as well as opportunities, and also, how do they react? Are they apprehensive or are they open with it? Absolutely open with it, although I do remember one actor who was on the grid now and i probably can't even tell you his name but uh, american actor on the grid and some of the guys came back into the media center and they were just disgusted he didn't want to have anything to do with any photos he wouldn't talk to anybody on television and yet he's on the grid i gather as a guest of somebody um but look that's not to say that they have to let them you know, open themselves up to the media but quite frankly if you're a guest of a team or a guest of someone and you've got grid access 
uh, it's pretty much understood that you're going to have to do some sort of media because the world's watching. And, and you look a bit of a dill, I think, if you're standing on the grid and TV is saying, can we have a ch- quick chat? And you turn your back on them. Mm. But um, who's to say what uh, people have to do? Last year, the start of the race was fairly chaotic with Perez ending up in some signage. Is the first turn a good place to start shooting from this year, do you think? It's a good spot if you want that shot of the planes coming over with the red, white and blue trailing out of the back of their uh, engines. Um yeah, it's on a tower, so we go to, uh, up into a grandstand and take a section of that grandstand. Mm-hmm. We shoot them coming straight towards us, and then they turn right or to our left. And as you said, Perez last year went through one of those polystyrene uh, markers on the side, ended up going backwards from memory, and uh, a few corners later, Kimmy and um, Lewis came together. Yes. And, uh, Matt Lewis had to go back to the pits, I think, from memory, because he, he did his nose cone. But, uh, yeah, look, it's as good a spot as any. I'm not sure. Actually, one year I shot from the Ferris wheel. I paid 10, <laughs> 10 pounds or whatever, and I went up in this Ferris wheel, and I spent about 15 minutes of the race just uh, going round, shooting high and slightly lower uh, to get some other unusual angles. I don't think I'd do it again this year, but... Uh, it's, a, it's another opportunity and it's another example of tracks that have Ferris wheels and there are a number of them. I also noticed a photo from last year has a, it's a picture of Daniel Ricciardo being photographed with a very old camera. Do you know much about this? Yeah, this is Joshua Paul, an American photographer, um, lovely fella. And he goes around with this camera that looks like a big um, bellows thing and he shoots on film and he shoots these portraits of drivers for a magazine called Lollipop and it is a really amazing piece of kit and of course because of this interesting camera he gets huge interest from the drivers that yeah I'll, I'll pose in front of that thing I want to see what it looks like photos he gets are beautiful um he did mention to me once that he inadvertently put back in a film that he'd already exposed prior <laughs> so he had two shots of important people that he thought he took on two separate pieces of film when in fact they were both on the same piece of film. So he was he was fairly disappointed when he was looking for two individual shots. He ends up getting a double exposure with two people on the one shot. But um, the result, he said, was quite arty, but not on purpose. Also in your blog is a picture of a little automatic machine that I noticed that you said paints all the logos and stuff. I've always wondered how these work. Well, I, that was the first time I saw it. It was like a, a robot and just program in the particular logo you want and it runs around on the tarmac and puts in the right spot, the right colour, and the end result is from the air, you get this beautiful looking logo. But uh, yeah, I imagine that saves a whole lot of people's time, although sign writers wouldn't be happy because it does them out of some sort of work, but I imagine you get a much better uh, product a lot quicker, and yeah, it was a great piece of machinery. In fact, I was looking at that photo yesterday thinking, what the hell is that? So you just remind (laughs) me what it was. We're almost halfway through the 2019 season. What would you say is your biggest seller on ProStar picks at the moment? Uh, this year, my biggest seller has been a picture I took in Monaco of Lewis Hamilton coming out of the tunnel, where it's a lovely dark background of the inside of the tunnel, some lights running um, along the top of the tunnel, and him coming out into sunlight. And that's really been a, an absolute winner for me. And it's sold all over the world. Normally, sort of picks like that. I sometimes think, well, is that only for British people? But no, it's been a big seller. And the fact that people can buy the digital image, take it to a printer and get it printed. And one gentleman sent me a picture. 
he had it blown up to wall size. <laughs> he's had it downstairs in his house. He's got this underground garage, and it's quite spectacular. He's got a beautiful collection of cars. And on one wall, which uh, to my mind looks about 2.3 metres high and probably about nearly four metres wide, is this beautiful picture that I took in Monaco. So I, if I ever was in his town, I would love to go and see the thing blown up. It was just a, a lovely opportunity and one of my best pictures. So, yeah, that's the beauty of buying a picture, digital rights uh, for personal use, and you get this high-res um, file. You can blow it up wall size. In fact, some of the files you can even um, blow up, put them on the side of a building quite high, you know, five, six metres high and eight metres wide. If you've got the money, and in fact, if it's not even a lot of money uh, for the digital image, it's more money for the print, but um, yeah, do it. Does it give you satisfaction as a photographer to know that, you know, your photos are being used in this way? Oh, what do you reckon? Of course <laughs> it does. That's the part of the reason I do this is because I, I, I love to get a great image and then know that you know, I could sit and look at it all day, but there's not much joy in that. I like the fact that other people are out there using it in some way, shape or form, whether it be uh, for editorial purposes or on blogs, whether it be printed in magazines uh, or whether it be in someone's house or on a print. And certainly when I um, look at the fact that I'm doing these functions coming up shortly, both in Monza and in Perth, and I've got some more planned too, if I can find some um, suitable restaurants, where people come along and they hear all about F1, but they also get a couple of prints that they can take away. Mm. Yeah, that's a real buzz. And perhaps if we go back to that Monza event, I'm looking forward to that one because about 12% of my Instagram audience are Italian and they are so passionate about their Formula One and already had a good response to that function, which is on the Saturday night of the Italian Grand Prix mm. in Monza. And uh, it's only an intimate affair. We have a long table, we spend about half an hour talking about F1, uh, we have a beautiful meal and then people get to ask their questions. And I did that um, live thing on my story the other day on Instagram and the questions were fascinating. So that's what I love talking about, things that I've now come to take as granted. People are so fascinated by it. And it was the same with the first time you get to go on the grid. It's absolutely uh, a mind opener. Um, the first time you get to shoot a race from, say, Eau Rouge, the bottom of Eau Rouge, it's really a fascinating experience, and I'm more than happy to talk to that, talk about that with F1 fans because um, I think we have both have that in common. The other function in Perth is uh, just after it's the Thursday night after the Italian Grand Prix, mm -hmm. and um, because about eight percent of my audience are Australian and a good whack of them from Perth where I live, I think that will be well attended and that'll be a slightly larger affair, but still a long table, private room in the city. Thursday night from mm, 8 o'clock, 7.30 to 9.30, yep. Mm. And I will get a lot of motor racing people there. Um, and I, I have done a little bit of uh, tarmac rallying, so some of the people will know me. But a great opportunity just to sit and talk F1 for a couple of hours with people who love the sport. And it's over a nice meal with a drink, and you get a couple of A3 pictures if you book and pay before July 25. All you need to do is... Uh, Send me an email and you can find my email address at kimelman.com or you can go to Instagram at kimelman, find me there and uh, you can direct message me there and I'll send you an invoice. Pay the invoice, come along, it's only 145 euros for the Italian show, 220 Aussie for that show and includes a meal. So I'd love to see people there and share a couple of hours talking about F1. 
Well, thank you very much for your time today, Kim. I hope you enjoy the British GP. It will be done, my friend. To see any of the photos we've talked about today, head over to ProStarPics.com or KimIllman.com. You can also stay updated by following Kim on Instagram at KimIllman. If you like what you heard today, please give us a review and remember to hit subscribe to stay posted for our next episode. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you on and off the track. F1 on and off the track was presented by ProStarPix.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. ProStarPix.com. Head there now.